0: Welcome to Draft Utopia, Chris Ransom here. Um, Patrick Mahomes accepted a 10-year, $503 million deal. There was a press conference about it earlier this afternoon on Facebook Live. I listened to that, and I think the Chiefs know what they're doing since they've had plans to extend Mahomes. They've had these talks on how to extend him for over a year now, dating back to when he won MVP in 2019, in the 2018-2019 season. So they've had the logistics for this setup for a while, Veach, Reed, Mahomes. So I think the Chiefs are going to be around. Until Andy Reid retires, this is their division, period. I think the only team right now that has the personnel to challenge them is the Denver Broncos. Chargers still need a left tackle for Herbert. I thought the Raiders, I think there's a possibility that the Raiders ended up with two busts in this draft. Now, if they hit on both of those picks, they're in the same conversation with the Broncos as a contender, a challenger to the Chiefs. But right now, at this point, for this season at least, the Chiefs are still going to be the team to beat. And as long as they have their supporting cast around Mahomes, as long as Andy Reid's coaching the team... There's no reason to think why they won't be in contention on a year to year basis for the next decade, as they'll be the team. They'll be what New England was the last decade. That's what the Chiefs are going to be. And they're positioning themselves to be that team so Mahomes can continue to win rings, Super Bowl championships. Yeah. So Kansas City's putting themselves in that position. Now, Inside the NBA is going to return at 8 p.m. Eastern tonight on TNT. I talked about the MLB baseball schedule yesterday. Yeah, and there's a four-game series between the Braves and Rays, four games between the Indians and Cubs, Reds, White Sox, they are going to have a three-game series. Um, The Cardinals face the White Sox at the um, Field of Dreams Stadium. Dodgers face the Astros. So you're getting a lot of teams, a lot of games, a lot of teams. And scores for those games are going to be up. We're going to have scores for those games thanks to ScoreStream app. And there's a lot to look forward to. Alexander Holtz. I'm going to break him down. I'm going to break down Marco Rossi. I think I broke down Alexander Holtz, but he has the playmaking, sniping, passing, wrist shot, power, shot accuracy, slap shot, power, slap shot, accuracy, line two winger. Okay, so yeah, I broke him down. Uh, But the player I'm going to break down today in the prospect profile series is Marco Rossi, the senator for the Ottawa 67s. 5'9, 179, Marco Rossi, 29 goals, 36 assists, and 60, 65 points, a plus 51 plus minus ratio as a rookie in 2018 2019, getting line one center time in his rookie season. Marco Rossi had 31 goals, 80, 39 goals, 81 assists, 120 points, and a plus 69 plus minus ratio. And. Yeah, an assist to Jack. Quinn in the CHL Prospects game, the playmaking, sniping, passing, wrist shot power, wrist shot accuracy, slap shot power, slap shot accuracy, offensive awareness, defensive awareness, hockey, IQ, speed, skating, agility, and stick handling is all there. It's a playmaker that can do everything, can do well on the power player, dominate as a penalty killer despite his size. And Buffalo can have Marco Rossi on the second line behind Eichel, maybe on the third line behind Cousins, but yeah, Marco Rossi's a player that I don't think Buffalo I mocked him to Buffalo when I did this three round mock prior to the lottery. But with Buffalo picking at 8, I don't think he's going to be one of those players that's in the running for a um, position and I am going to break down an M- No, I'm not going to break down an MLS team today. I will break down I got some news on Inter Miami CF and that's the first MLS team I'm going to break down. But I'm gonna break inner Miami CF down tomorrow with MLS returning tomorrow. So I'm gonna probably break down an MLB team. And the team I'm gonna choose to break down is honestly I'm I'm still contemplating over it. I'm still thinking about what team I'm going to break down. I'm going to break down the Cleveland Indians. They're my favorite MLB team. And with the rumors of them potentially changing their uh, logo, I'm going to break them down for state of the franchise. Yeah, the Cleveland Indians, their state of the franchise is today because there's a lot of requests I've gotten, but the Indians are my favorite team, and they're the team I'm going to break down right now because what they do with Francisco Lindor is going to be key. They've got Perez and Sandy Lee on there. Backup catcher is going to be a free agent after this year. Carlos Santana's still got one more year. Um, Cesar Hernandez will be a free agent in the offseason, so second base is a position they're going to have to load up on. Jose Ramirez is under contract until 2024. Lindor is not a free agent until 2022, but he does enter year three of arbitration next season. So if the Cleveland Indians have a really good strength of schedule, second easiest in the majors behind the Twins, I have to think they're going to be in contention again. Delano De Shields, Jake Bowers, Craig Allen, Oscar Mercado. They have Bradley Zimmer down in the minor leagues. But they've got Clevinger, Carrasco, Shane Bieber, Zach Plesak, Aaron Savale, all under contract. The Cleveland Indians have these guys under all five of their starting pitchers under contract until at least 2023. And they got pitchers like Ethan Hankins. Um, Daniel Espinoa, Tanner Burns in their system. So the Cleveland Indians are going to have very good pitching for a long time. Brad Hand is under contract until 2022. Oliver Perez is in a contract year as the setup pitcher. So they're going to have – they've got four middle relievers. They've got four long relievers. And they can bump one of those relief pitchers up to the setup role. So Cleveland's going to have pitching for – very good pitching for at least the next two to three years. At least. They're going to have another window of opportunity to win a championship. The question is, will it be as the Indians, or will they change their team name? I, it's sounding like they are leaning towards changing the team name, or at least exploring that possibility. But this, ch- the team name change would not go into effect until the 2021 MLB season, assuming they went that route. They're just exploring the possibility or looking into it, no action will be taken at this time. And I think there's a two-year window of opportunity this year in 2021 for them to win a championship. I still think they have that window of opportunity after losing the World Series to the Cubs. They had the best record. Then they lost a lot of talent. They still have a very good team. And with them having the second easiest schedule behind the Twins, I think it they are in con. They are going to be a playoff team. I have no doubt about it in my mind this year. They're going to be back in the playoffs, and I wouldn't be surprised if they won it all. Just because it's the last year they can potentially win it all before they have to change the team name. There's a motive. There's a reason, and I just feel like they've had the talent, the pitching talent for years. But their window of opportunity is starting to close with teams like the Detroit Tigers um, getting better. The Royals are getting better. The White Sox have gotten better. The Twins are still that team to beat according to most experts, but I'm not looking at what most experts would do. I'm looking at the big picture. So I'm looking at what's happening here in the leagues and just weighing options. Because I think the Cleveland Indians have a one- to two-year window of opportunity to contend. And I know I sound biased, but Cleveland's pitching did well. Despite finishing second in that division to the Twins, their pitching did well. And the Twins are one of four teams that have 300 runs along with the Astros, Yankees, and Dodgers. And the Nationals were the team that ended up winning the World Series. They beat the Dodgers, and they beat the Astros. So I'm looking at the Nationals. They have a window of opportunity at least until 2022. And the Indians, they have a window, two-year window of opportunity for contention as well. Because I think right now the Cleveland Indians are the biggest threat to the New York Yankees in the American League. I really believe that. The Yankees are the front to win the AL this year, but I think if I had to pick a second team or a team to challenge them, it would be either the Oakland Athletics or the Cleveland Indians. I think those are the two teams that I think have the best position, best shot to do that. And then the Rays would probably be my number four team. And then I think you could make it a case for the... Astros at 5 or the Blue Jays depends on how the divisions play out, how teams do during this stretch. How cuz the American League is going to be a tough league. And as long as Jose Ramirez and Lindor are batting, as long as the pitching's healthy, Cleveland Indians the sky is the limit for this Cleveland Indians team. I really believe that. So and that would be for my state of the franchise segment. Now, we are going to go through round four of the um, draft. I went through the first rounds two and three on yesterday. Round four of the Bantle Fantasy Football League draft. I'm going to break that down because a lot of things happened over the weekend. DJ Chark went to the Jaguar. Taco Corp takes Jaguars receiver DJ Chark. Riley went with Amari Cooper, the Cowboys. HB Vinegar Strokes was on the clock, but I made a trade. I gave up up 36, 45, and 65, a 4th round pick, a 5th round pick, and a 7th round pick for 33, a 6th round pick, and an 8th round pick. So I have two eighth round picks and two sixth round picks now. But I got A.J. Brown, so I've got two number one targets in Galladay and Brown. And this is a big gamble because you have two sixth round picks and there's still some talent on the board. I'm not going to reveal my big board to the general public. I don't think that's necessary nor appropriate. Well, it's not inappropriate. It's just I don't want to tip my hand. There's nothing offensive about fantasy football. It's just, I don't want to tip my hand. That's really what this is about. I got the players I wanted in rounds one through four for every pick. And I've got two running backs, two receivers, and Tom Brady is my QB in a two QB league. So I still need to draft a QB. But there's a lot of players that could be great picks later in the draft. So to have two eighth-round picks... And to be able to use those on rookies, like, let's say I get two rookies in the 8th round, and then they both end up being very good rookies, and I use keepers on both of them next year. (laughs) I don't pick in round 8, but, yeah. I don't think I could do that. I would have to get a rookie in round 8 and a rookie in round round 10. But it's like, I'm just debating when I want to take these rookies, when I think they're going to get picked, because I'm going off of my board here and if players that are on our board are still there at certain picks then this is going to get interesting but I took AJ Brown, bannell wanted him too, that's why I was willing to give up a King's Ransom to get him because if Bannell and I both want him I have to, because um, Banel offered 46, 41, and 40 just to get him so it's like, you know what? I'll take the deal you're offering me. I'm not going to play hardball here because I don't have any leverage here. And I want A.J. Brown, so I'm just going to... Breeze Nuts took Todd Gurley. The Chosen Ones used a keeper on Tyree Kill. Um, H.B. Vinegar Strokes used took David Johnson with my pick it's 36. D.J. Moore went to Team Mouse Rat. Mark's had a very strong draft. I think Mark... And it depends on what Heath gets with my picks, because if players fall, chosen ones have back to back picks, three of the next eight, and they traded both of those picks for pick 69 and the rights to DK Metcalf. So DK Metcalf was a player that Riley used a keeper on, but Banel gives up those picks in order to receive pick sixty nine and Metcalf. And Bannel. Riley took Adam Thielen. And then Riley went with Melvin Gordon. That was a horrible trade by Riley, in my opinion. Riley getting played by Bannel. But this is what Jason does. Jason find Jason Jason's a great commissioner and an awesome friend. And I am happy for him that he's getting engaged. But When we're doing our fantasy drafts, Bannel looks for the easiest owners to poach and to exploit. And I mean that in the most professional and sincere way possible. So yeah, the Bannel Fantasy Football League, he's been the runner up two years in a row. He won the league. He won the second Bannel Bowl, lost the first Bannel Bowl, didn't make the playoffs in Bannel Bowl three. That was a year I missed the playoffs too. But Jason, myself, and Mitch. Mitch has been in the playoffs each the first five Bantle Bulls. He's the only owner to ever make the playoffs for all five Bantle Bulls. He's been the most consistent owner in the league. Jimmy, who won the first Bantle is no longer in the league. So, really, you're looking at Heath and Mark as the two teams. And I think Mark has drafted better than Heath this year. I think Mark's probably going to get back to where he was two years ago because I know... Two years ago, it was Mark, me, Bannell and Mitch going for a repeat in the playoffs, and I think that's what we're going to end up seeing. Kerm and Cooper Cup in round five, very good value pick. I had around four grade on him. Chris Carson goes to Seattle, and Mark with Kyler Murray. So. And now Heath's going to use my pick that I gave him. So if I hadn't make this A.J. Brown trade, I'd be on the clock, but... You know, we'll see what happens here because I can't tip my hand. I can't give Heath advice. This is a competition. I think Mark's drafted well. Bannell, Mitch, and myself have the best drafts so far. And if I had to predict the playoffs, I'd say those are the four owners that are going to be back. But he's going to put up a fight, especially if he can get good players with my picks. So I'm really curious to see what's going to happen here cuz I've got a lot of rookies on my big board. I'm just not going to name them cuz I'm going to I'm hoping those players fall to me. And you just want it's like that's part of the thing with fantasy. You want the best players to fall to you. right so i'm looking at um it is gambling this year because I'm gambling on the player that's going to end up falling to my team Like because if you get a rookie in the Battle Fantasy Football League and you end up getting a good rookie you can use a keeper on the player and that's really what you're trying to accomplish with the rookies you want to get the rookies that do so well that you end up getting a rookie of the year and you get the right to use the keeper on that player because if you can get a keeper later in the draft, Mitch did it when he got Nick Chubb out of him, Georgia, and got like a 14th or 15th round keeper two years ago. Because that's the goal here. It's to get, position yourself to get the players you want as late as possible so you have the best chance to contend. And there are a lot of rookies in this draft rookies that I've put down on a piece of paper. So Yes, yeah, so I'm going to add Colt Met to my board cuz I think he is going to get some looks at least. Cuz the Bears are going r- to do some two-tight end looks. Yeah, and that's really the thing. There's a lot of rookie players and you just want to hit on those rookies and get good value. So we'll see what happens, because I think there are some veterans still on the board that provide good value. But with all the rookies that are entering the league this year, you're just trying to capitalize on the value that those rookies provide. And I might go back in and listen to some episodes of, of our podcast where we interviewed senior bowl players just so I can get a better feel for which players are going to step up which players are it, because you want to know that stuff. You really do. And unless players get injured or get coronavirus, you're not really going to know that stuff. You're not really going to be sure of yourself. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with that. I know I've spent forever talking about fantasy football at the Battle Fantasy Football League. And And Heath is on the clock with my pick, but I'm gonna go in and Kenny Goldy. Yeah, and the flex player, the QB2, I'm not sure what player or how the rosters look, but... I'm going to get a third receiver because I'm going to double up at receiver probably because here's the thing with the draft. And I don't have to get a receiver in round six. I'm just weighing my options because there's a lot of talented players still on the board. But three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine receivers before I get to the rookies. There's nine receivers still on my big board that are worth drafting before I start reaching for rookie players. And honestly, there is a player I want, and I'm not sure they're going to be there if I wait. One of the rookies I want really, really badly. But I know they'll be there at 53. I know they'll be there in round six. So I'm not worried, and I've got a big board of prospects stashed for this draft so yeah and today's team on what the fbs is eastern michigan so a max school yep max team conference we're gonna break down today Yeah, and tomorrow I think it's Northern Illinois. Yep, so two max schools. I can leave, and and yeah, the beauty of this is the magazine I'm reading the rosters out of has Eastern Michigan and Northern Illinois right next to each other, so I can read off of both of those and leave the magazine open for two days. But what the FBS will be the final segment on today's podcast, and you got Darius Boone Jr., Um, Freshman red shirt Not a uh, true freshman But Dylan Drummond Is a junior Receiver And They have a um, Junior quarterback Coming in to start But Drummond's the Player who had Queen Williams And Dylan Drummond Had 107 receptions 1,154 yards And 9 touchdowns So The receivers on this Eastern Michigan team Are very good and I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with this team because they have a lot of talent returning. Mike Van Hoven is the senior center, probably the only draft-eligible player on this offensive side of the ball. Bryson Cannon also a senior tight end. And last year, Eastern Michigan had a subpar defense after losing Max Crosby to the Oakland, now Las Vegas Raiders. But Crosby was drafted by the Raiders in the fourth round of the 2019 NFL Draft. I remember I was in Jacksonville with Joey. Who called in during the Ryan Stokes interview. When we broke down Crosby. And Oren was on the call with us. Like he called me over the phone and we were able to like get. All of the audio and all of the commentary. For those picks. So, it is doable to do a draft by foot. Woo, Scott, Terran Rush are very good players. They're probably the players that anchor this defense. Terry Myrick is another player, and Rush brings that veteran leadership. He had five sacks last year. Myrick led the team in 89 tackles. So, their returning leaders are back, and they did have two players tied with five interceptions. So Eastern Michigan's a team that still has a lot of work to do there. They went 6-7 and seven last year, and they lost their bowl game to Pitt. And they actually played relatively well. Okay, Their guys actually, for a young team, for a young upcoming team that had sophomores last year, they played relatively well against Pitt despite losing. For a young team that didn't really have a lot of experience... So, I think Kentucky will beat them. Coastal Carolina, that's a win. Northern Illinois, I'm not sure. I'm going to wait till tomorrow to decide on that game. Missouri's a loss. Central Michigan's a loss. Ohio's a loss. And Athens, Army, Toledo, probably a win. Um, they lost to Toledo in overtime last year, but I'll give them a win at home against Toledo. Western Michigan, at Western Michigan, that's a loss. At Ball State, That's probably, they lost to Ball State at home. That's probably a loss. Bowling Green, I broke down Bowling Green last week. I think that's a win. So they got two wins on their schedule, and then Miami, Ohio has Blaine Gabbert's little brother. So I'd say that's a loss. I think you're looking at two to four wins at best, and you're losing season for Eastern Michigan, the MAC Conference. And they're a team that, Their rushing was near the bottom of the league. Their offense is pretty respectable. Their run defense is the weakness, but there isn't anything too horrible about their team. Eastern Michigan's a team that really has a chance to take off if everything clicks because they're talented, but they don't stand out as a team, as a college, as a conference. And I'll break down their rival school Northern Illinois tomorrow as well as uh, preview the MLS games and break that stuff down. I'll probably pre-record Thursday's show late Wednesday night because if I can pre-record that show late Wednesday night with the soccer games on I can really dive into greater detail about the MLS games because I am going to break those down. And then tomorrow, I'll recap round five, the round I'm not picking in. The picks that have been made in round five, it may be a continuation. But that's pretty much it for today. 30-minute podcast you're able to get in and out and have some fun with the show. So I really appreciate it. Like Draft Utopia on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Like the Instagram page. Follow us there, too. YouTube, shoot. I've got a LinkedIn as well. You know the drill. Just type in Draft Utopia on one of those big social media websites. You'll find my content, whether it's code for my website, blog articles, entries, podcasts, videos. You may have seen our Draft Utopia commercial. It's now at 1.6 views. Thank you so much for everyone who's viewed that commercial. So on that note, I am going to end this show. Enjoy your Tuesday evenings.